0: Welcome to Spinning Back, Click, where each week here at MMA Junkie, we take a spin through the biggest stories in MMA. On this week's docket, we had some good action out in Austin, Texas this weekend, pre-fight in the Fighter Hotel, post-fight during Dana White's visit with the media, and of course inside the Octagon. We're going to discuss it all. Gorgeous George here on the con, and look at the distinguished panel we have for you today. Sin City and Dallas are in the house. We got goes. From MMA Junkie Radio, he's here in Las Vegas. He created the SBC, by the way. On my personal Mount Rushmore of guys who can break down fights, it's the fight analyst, Dan Tom, also in Sin City. And rounding out the cast, it's Matt Wells from the editorial side. Also a big Dallas Cowboys fan. We need you this week, Matt. I don't say that too often. I don't like them Cowboys, but we need you this week. Cold Coffee, he's on the ones and twos. We got five great topics. Let's dig in. All right, we're gonna go in reverse here and start with the post-fight action. According to UFC president Dana White, Austin was a success. Monster gate and attendance. In fact, it was the biggest gate ever for a fight night in the USA. And White rolled out 50k bonuses for every fighter plus fight of the night. Salute UFC and Dana White. But at some at some point, excuse me, the happy boss seemed to get a little agitated when asked about pflator and the pfl saying their roster is comparable to the ufc's uh in fact it was our own matt wells that was on the mound at that moment (laughs) i guess white thought that you were brushing them back matt anyways my question to you guys to start things off guys do you think dana white and the ufc are threatened by the new number two mma promotion matt we go to you since you were there
1: man Yeah, I mean, to to start off to your points, I will agree, you know, the the event itself was amazing. It felt like a huge event. All the numbers kind of show that. Right. Um, But yeah, like you said, uh, after the facts, you know, I asked him about PFL buying buying out Bellator and he kind of took exception to it. Um, I'm not sure if Dana is more so feeling like a threat of that merger, so to speak, or if he's just kind of annoyed at these questions. Because obviously, like the UFC is still number one in in all of these things, right? Um, but yes, I mean it's it's still a valid concern when you have two companies that were considered number two, number three joining forces, right? I mean just just look at these names that they have under their under their roster. I mean the Bellator side you have Patchy Mix, Vadim Nemkov, Johnny Eblen. These are all their champions. Ryan Bader. These are guys that could come over to the UFC and pick up wins over top competition. Without a doubt. I mean, Usman Nurmagomedov, Pitbulls, Jason Jackson, Amasov. PFL has very respectable names as well. I mean, Larissa Pachenko, Henry uh Jesus Pinedo just won the championship this year. OAM, who was a UFC vet? I mean, Jesus Pinedo was also in the UFC. at one fight there as well. Um, Magomed, Magomed Karimov. These are all very talented fighters. So the roster is there. It's, it's a very solid roster. It's not on par with the UFCs just yet. It's not as deep. But they have very respectable names there, and I think that maybe if anything, the UFC is kind of having to you know turn their turn their head and look at that a little bit. But in terms of business and you know arenas and things like that, I don't think they're worried about that too much because you know, to Dana's point, like he said, you know, what are their numbers like when they're running arenas and stuff like that? what are their what are their ticket sales? Yeah they're they're not nearly comparable, but they are building something. And they have the opportunity to grow into something bigger um, after this move, after this PFL move. So it's going to be interesting to see how things play out, obviously over the next year or two and see what PFL, what kind of momentum they can get going. But I think at this point, like right now, I think Dana's kind of a little bit more annoyed that, you know, Hey guys, we're still number one. We're still UFC. We're still on top of these things. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's something that you have to address and, you do have to acknowledge, hey, they're making moves. Mm-hmm. Did you think, Matt, that in any way uh, he
0: was unfair, I guess? And I wouldn't say attacking you, but kind of like trying to light you up, you know, for asking the questions. I mean, I think media like to ask
1: questions that the fans are wondering. Yeah, and that's that's what I was trying to do. I mean, obviously, these are these are questions that fans want the answers to, right? And I think that was most of the questions that I did ask him on that night were stuff that fans want to know about. Um, I think he did try to come at me a little bit, but I mean, he tried to take it to a place where I wasn't trying to go as well. Like I, I wasn't trying to get into the weeds about ratings and stuff like that. Uh, one, because we don't have those clear answers. Networks hide the true numbers from us. Try to get, try to get an accurate rating from ESPN Plus or, or Showtime or something like that. It's just not happening. So I wasn't trying to go there with him. I was just trying to get his general thoughts about things. If you go back and watch that clip, I tried to move on from that question twice, but he kept going back in, kept going back. So it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, I think he did try to come at me a little bit. But, you know, it is what it is. I wasn't trying to go back and forth with him either. I was just trying to get an answer. I was happy with his first response when he said he wishes them well. I was like, cool. All right. So on to the MVP thing is what I was trying to get to. But, You know, Dana's going to do his thing. Sometimes we've seen him do that to multiple reporters before. I don't know if he expected me to try to actually answer him or not, because sometimes reporters don't actually answer him when he throws questions back. So, you know, I just uh, had a little playful banter, I thought. Was that your final interaction of the
0: night with him? Or at some point when it was over, was there a finger point like a,
1: you know, it's just the game or... Anything like that, I guess? No, I, I, th- I mean, after that, I threw two more questions at him, and he seemed pretty receptive to those, I guess. But, uh, yeah, he definitely seemed a little bit little bit uh, agitated by the PFL question.
0: Mm-hmm. Dan, Tom, what do you think, man? So just like all of us, we've covered the sport for a while. We've seen a lot of Dana White reaction to a new promotion. It's not the first time. What do you think, man? Do you think in any way he's threatened by the new number two MMA promotion?
2: Uh, I don't think he, he should be threatened, but like the way he was answering Matt, he's definitely agitated, right? Um, and I just want to give props to our colleague Matt there, you know, for, for you know, standing his ground, but still being completely respectful, professional, uh, just kind of like everything you want to see, you know, whether uh, it's coming from a colleague like myself or, you know, the fans in the audience out there. I know you guys are really critical of media and it's fine, but like, you know, uh, appreciate when uh, people do a good job. So a hat tip to our guy, Matt there. But as far as Dana goes, it seems kind of silly to be so upset, not just because of all the facts that like, that we know, and that Matt did a great job laying out there. But the other dynamic, I guess I'll introduce is the lawsuit right now for a monopsony. And it just really seems that, you know, I got to imagine the the lawyers are cringing every time Dana White gets out there and just, you know, uh, makes these, you know, chest flexing comments, which is not you know, uh, abnormal for Dana White, but again, the particular topic. You know, the way he's getting upset and really looking at the big picture. Um, maybe you know, especially as a pro capitalist guy, like maybe you should you know embrace the competition here a bit, you know, and uh, instead of uh, you know making you know uh, the, the monopoly case kind of a uh, uh, l- you know look like uh, apples and apples right now. But uh, that's just that's just my two cents. It seems kind of silly, and uh, I do wonder if like the higher ups and brass are like Dana. T- Take
0: it easy, man. Come on. I echo what you said, Dan, first of all, in terms of props to Matt Wells. Uh, I've seen those interactions over time, and there's times where a reporter just shuts down and Matt kept doing his jobs, uh, pushing through, and like he said, another series of questions later on. But for folks that don't understand, it's not our job to go back and forth with him. It's our job to ask the questions and move on. Sometimes Dana makes it personal, and... That's just part of the job. All right, Ghost. How about you, man? You got a psych degree. Read into this guy, <laughs> worth half a million dollars. Successful uh, promotion. You know, crushed yet another gate for a fight night. All that stuff you heard, but yet, man, he lets a question that's, you know, part of the. It's part of the big news cycle in the last two weeks. Kind of ruin his day a little bit, and and then he. Kind of makes it a little bit personal. what 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 do you think you, you think he feels threatened?
3: I don't know that he feels threatened. I, I think he just uh, feels like, why can't people just give me my props for for what I've done? What he's done has been completely amazing. But when people bring up these little topics, it does tend to bother him. And I think it doesn't have to really do with the situation. I bet you a lot of it comes from just what happened with Francis Nganu not too long ago. that that was not a good look for the UFC, right? And that's something that every time I get brought up, It pisses them off. And um, I think it's just that thing that where he's on a high and he's happy about what happened tonight and then he gets asked that question and it takes him somewhere else that really it shouldn't. It's a valid question. I think if you're the the UFC, maybe you should feel a little threatened, but not that much. I mean, people aren't going to stop watching the UFC and watch uh, PFLator instead. They're not going to lose viewers to them. What they may lose a little bit in a threat to them could be maybe like contract negotiations going forward, right? What's going to happen when you have a fighter that has like a five, six fight win streak? Sometimes they get as high as like 10, 12 fights in a row. Are you telling me they're not going to sit there and go, man, if I did this in PFL, I'd be like, I'd be, I'd have $2 million in the bank, right? They're going to complain a little bit more. They're going to be more inclined to maybe leave and go to a, a PFL and try and pick up a million dollars or fight in a grand prix whatever it is they're going to do moving forward i think fighters will maybe try and use that leverage a little bit some of the stuff that francis and was able to do go and box right we don't really, other than conor mcgregor we don't really see that too much with the ufc so i think in a way more than anything the pfl is going to annoy the ufc and they're going to annoy the brass and after a while you know when you combine two rosters like that you're going to put on some pretty decent fights They're going to have some victories. They're going to have some good nights where we're all spinning back click on Monday. The first thing we're going to talk about was that crazy PFL card where some of them Bellator fighters came over and and put on a great show. And I'm sure if you're the UFC and you you tune in, you're going to be like, man, why are they talking about them? They should be talking about us. Look at our gates. Look how many people are showing up. I think they're going to pester them, but I don't think it's to the point that Dana needs to react in that way because of his reaction. That's why we're here talking about this right now. If he just would have, kind of gave Matt a a softball answer and just said, hey, look, you know, good for them. They'll do their thing, but we're over here. We're crushing it. We're doing that. We probably wouldn't be talking about this right now, right? And that's what I don't understand about Dana White. Sometimes I feel like he's his own worst enemy in that sense.
0: What's funny goes is they kind of did do it, and then he hesitated, and then something boiled within him, and he had to attack the ratings and their attendance. But, you know, I was thinking because I was watching this live, I was thinking recent recent news was that ESPN re-upped with PFLATOR,
1: right? Yeah. And I'm thinking That's out, and over me. <laughs> me. what's that? I was trying to get that part out, but he kept jumping over me as well. Yeah, you know, they, they just re-upped with
0: the uh, PFL ator and PFL, I'm joking, right, guys? But um, they just re-upped with them, so they must think something of their ratings. I highly doubt that on Mondays in Bristol, Connecticut, Connecticut, they say, Hey, I got a sharp business move, let's re-up with. A promotion or a sport that's not bringing some eyeballs. I mean, that, 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 that just wouldn't happen, right? That's their partner, and their partner just made that decision. By the way, this is their fifth year, I believe, with PFL. So there's got to be something to that. Now, I'm not saying Dana White is wrong about gates, attendance, things like that, but uh, I don't know. I, it just seems – so we give this guy praise for being an awesome promoter, for doing incredible things in the sport. And at the same time, I just feel someone that's been in the sport for that long should be so savvy at taking these questions that it shouldn't really agitate them at, at, at this point. Now, as I say that, look, I seen LeBron blow up uh Jordan Brady. You know, you get the same question a certain amount of times. I guess it's like ah, you know, how many times do I have to cover this? But he he's not for sure that Matt was at the press conference that he covered it the first time. This mm-hmm. is a different. Me, you know different media member that's getting access for the first time maybe just following up uh it,
3: but he's not getting asked that question while he's at the olive garden right leave me alone i'm having dinner not to right. go to the olive garden but you know what i mean I he's get getting it, asked that at work that's his job that's where he's gonna get that question yeah and not only that he should be expecting that question so if anything it's not like he's sitting back on oh man i can't believe they brought that that's right that just happened he knows it's coming he should mm-hmm. have something already prepared but he lets the best get yeah. uh, the best get out of him like it, it, the worst sorry it just the moment gets the
2: best of him man and and that that shouldn't be the case here's how you guys know it was bad when when i went to re-watch this of course i did it on the mma junkie youtube channel give this a like you know if you're watching or make sure you're subscribing to that channel of course guys but if you look at the comment section you know it's, it, the youtube comments are never a kind place much less to the media and even like the dana you know it's bad because even the dana white fans lately in the comment section are like dana i'm i'm the biggest dana fan but man what, what what's going on with this guy lately like what 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 is going on like So we're not alone here, folks. Even as staunchest supporters, we're like, we're like totally like, which is great as they should be. We're totally giving Mattis props and we're like, what's going on with Dana here? So we're not alone in this.
1: Yeah. And one last thing I want to throw out there as well. I've seen a couple of people, you know, again, the comments, right? Comments are going to be comments uh, saying that, you know, why are you asking about PFL? I mean, it's a very relevant question to ask about what's going on in the MMA space to the biggest promoter in the sport. It's a very relevant question especially when those two those are two companies you know like they sign ufc fighters you know sometimes we'll see the ufc pick up some of their fighters it's a very relevant question so anybody saying that don't be silly
0: yeah exactly you're gonna if you're a top name you're gonna hear questions all the time imagine Lionel messi wins the world cup in argentina and so they're asking him questions there in Qatar. uh when he gets back to argentina someone's going to ask him about that world cup and that win. You know, I doubt he's going to say, you didn't hear what I said in cutter. I thought I covered this. I mean, this is huge, huge news. And like go said, spin it in a way so that maybe helps anything that you have. That's ongoing. Hey, competition's good. You know, Um, they, they have some quality fighters there. Some that have been with our promotion and, and maybe some that one day will be in the promotion. Who knows? There's gotta be some stock answers after 25 years of covering the sport where you can just go out there and deal with this. Um, look, ask Barry. Sorry, young Barry Moore in the chat is saying asking Dana White about the PFL is like asking a buddy, Have you seen your ex girlfriend? Knowing she's really uh, looking fine and doing really good now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Nuru says Dana White knows he fumbled the Nganu boxing bag and hates any PFL reminders too soon. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Uh, folks, if you want to submit questions and comments via the chat, I will do my best to get to as many as I can and obviously the better they are maybe the funnier they are touch of humor is never never bad i will see if i can sneak them in you can address the guys personally or just throw them out in general uh king of all chad says you're at a ufc press conference why talk about stuff that isn't ufc okay take that one on man what do you think of that comment
1: not that we haven't i guess kind of
0: touched on it already
1: yeah that's that's kind of like to what i was just saying right because these are very two these are two relevant things uh PFL and Bellator joined forces. They're now the solid number two in the space. And like I said, UFC will sign the best talent available, right? They picked up Michael Chandler from Bellator, you know. So like, they're obviously paying attention to what's going on there. So yes, why would I not ask about the second biggest promotion in the in the MMA space right now? I mean, that's a very huge move. It's it's something that could change the landscape of the sport in the next few years coming up, depending on how this how this new look PFL this new look Bellator progresses from here so it's a very relevant question yeah they picked up eddie alvarez they picked up ben Askren.
0: uh people have come over from other promotions as well they tried to recruit uh with kayla harrison she just didn't work out but it's not like they don't keep an eye on it so solid stuff there all right guys listen uh keep them coming through the chat i'll do my best to incorporate them all we got to move on Let's talk about Armand Sarukian's win. According to Dana White, it threw a wrench in the title picture. Makashev has beaten both Sarukian and Oliveira before. Charles Oliveira, excuse me. But the difference is the first Sarukian fight was not a title fight. So, yeah, slight difference. Should the UFC reconsider Islam Makashev versus Charles Oliveira
2: too? Dan Tom, what do you think? Uh, you know, it's tough. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did, but I'm going to give my kind of stock answer here to remind you guys that uh, this is kind of the beach ball they throw at us, you know, to get us excited and they give us something to talk about. But really, Dana White's kind of like the uh, the dad, you know, send, sending off his kids to run to the refrigerator, you know, to compete against each other. Who can get me the beer first? You know, whoever gets me the beer first is the best kid. It's not that the best kid is Dana White just wants his beer from the fridge. And what I'm trying to say here is the UFC We know this. They just need to fill their schedule. Um, Things can happen in the sport. It's a volatile sport anyways, you know, to be hard to predict anybody who's going to be next for the title. But as far as the UFC trend goes, it's not even really their ranking systems that, you know, have been installed and argued upon for almost a decade now. No, it is the content schedule to to ESPN, who we're just talking about. Um, That is the ultimate decider uh, in these things. Mm -hmm. All right
0: uh goes what do you think man should they reshuffle the deck in the ufc lightweight division no Makachev versus olivera too and if so sarukian is is he ready to step in or what do you think
3: you know i think the ufc kind of made it clear that olivera was just the direction that they were going in. i think when they say things like this what it is is sort of a warning to the guys underneath right if you if you're saying I'll fight him, but I don't want to fight him in City A, I want to fight him in City B, or I want to get paid this much. I think it's just that little reminder we can always go another route, right? But it seemed like that's what they wanted to do. Uh, As far as Sarukian goes, I don't blame him. You have to say those things. At the end of your fight, you have to take the mic, and you have to promote yourself. He did nothing wrong. All that stuff he had to do was a great performance over a great fighter in Benil Darius. But I think we need to pump the brakes just a little bit. Just a little. um, Because Past Olivera, let's just say they don't do that. They're still Justin Gagey, right? And if you look at Justin Gagey's two wins, those are pretty strong too. And I know Sarukian's on a three-fight win streak, but the two might might outweigh those three. So I think it puts uh it puts Sarukian kind of in a rough spot because you know, like a guy like Dustin Poye, he he's kind of come out and said he doesn't want to fight these guys, he just wants the really, really big names. So Sarukian's kind of stuck with kind of the outside looking in. Uh, those types of fighters that are left, I think he's probably going to have to get one more before he gets in there. And if he does, uh, I know it's going to sound crazy because the guy suffered a loss, but it, no matter who you take at that point, it's going to be roughly the same level. Somebody, you know, maybe on a one fight win streak, maybe a two fight or something like that. At that point, man, why not just squash this Bobby Green, uh, the beef that you have with him, and at least you could sell us on that, get another quality win, and then I think that top will kind of play itself out but I don't blame Armin Sarukian one bit for asking to be put in that spot. And I actually don't blame business-wise the UFC for even kind of hinting that that could be a possibility.
0: All right. And lastly, we go back to Matt. Matt, you were there. Did it just sound like Dana White maybe tossing some out there to make things interesting? Or or was he that blown away by Sarukian's performance that he's saying this, you know, possibly throwing a wrench in this, in his plans? How did you read Nuru and
1: Original Kud's Hero's Eyes that night? <laughs> I mean, I, I thought it was a fantastic performance by by Armin, right? And I think Dana's words were pretty on point there. You have to at least consider this now. I mean, Armin looked unstoppable. He looks, you know, very much like a real title contender. Um, and I would like to see them kind of... I, I mean, I wouldn't be mad if they do throw him in there against against Islam next. There's history there. They obviously fought uh, once in 2019. And the difference is between... When Armin fought Islam, it went to a decision. It was a unanimous decision win for Islam, but he didn't get finished. So you can't say the same about Charles. And I'm not a fan of the UFC automatically, you know, throwing former champions into title fights, in the title fights, in the title fights. Let's let a contender get a shot. So why not put, put Armin in there? He's on a two, he's coming off of two stoppage wins. And like I said, he's got that history where him and him and Islam went to a decision. So, who knows how it looks this time around with five rounds. Who knows,
0: Matt? What about the BMF, Justin Gagey? You're gonna upset him. And what about matthias Gamron, who beat suruki in about 18 months ago and was tagged as the alternate for the original? Uh, let me say this straight Makashev Oliveira 2 fight, which didn't happen as we all know. Vol- Volkanovsky said stuff aside, Gamron. But what about those guys?
1: Listen, like Armin said. Justin's already got his title, that BMF title, so let him, you know, hold on to that for a little bit. But no, in all seriousness, um, however you want to shake out this top of this division is fine with me at the end of the day because they're all fantastic fights. Like fans aren't going to lose with any matchup, no matter. Throw them all these names in a hat, just shake them up. Like if that's what you're doing as a matchmaker, I would be actually okay with that. Like make film film like a little like uh, surprise like lottery thing in the back, put all the names in a little turnstile thing just pull them out hey here's the next matchup for the lightweight title and i guarantee you nobody's gonna be mad at the names that come out i'd love
0: to see a 16-man grand prix in the ufc in the lightweight division like you said just pull the names out of a hat the champion defends along the way but guess what instead of a milli we're going to give the winner 10 million it'll take about 18 months to get through it but we're gonna get through it folks that would be, to me, tremendous. It'd be like announcing a college football playoff or just something out of the woodworks, stepping things in another direction. Because right now, I, I understand the way things work, and it's cool, but yeah, it just does seem to work like Dan says, and he said it often. I, he's made that point often, suitable to what's what's on the schedule and who's available, and yeah. mm, that sometimes that's just not my
3: cup of tea. Person. But if it's a college football playoff, then we'd have to exclude all the undefeated fighters, right? exactly florida state
0: state took it oh man in the rear on that one geez that was terrible an undefeated team who wins their conference holy cow that that was highly highly disappointing original coot in the chat says they need to let gagey fight he's on the downside of his career he deserves it well not necessarily because he's on the downside i think he's fighting well original but I think they made it clear the winner of that BKFC fight, oh, sorry, uh, BMF fight, had an inside track towards the title. So I'd like for them to follow up on that. Uh, anyway, they say a lot of things. We got to move on though. Oh no, no, no! I do have a follow up for you guys. And goes, you may have already touched on it, Dan and Matt. Whoever wants to go first, if they don't do Sarukian versus Makachev, they stay with Makachev Oliveira too. What do you do with
2: Sarukian? Dan, you go first for sarukian that, that that's tough by the way he you know gamra did beat him but for those that are listening and not watching i did the air quotes things with my hands because if you watch the match and or read the criteria in conjunction you'll know that armin sarukian should have won that fight arguably four rounds to one uh not even three uh so maybe you can run that back with a little bit of controversy there it'd be a tough sell for Gamrot because again he already did the way in thing. And even with fighters who, you know, they weren't too excited at first, you know, uh, they, they gave the long uh, routes to like, even like, uh, you know, Kamar Usman back in the day, you saw a lot of the times it was them weighing in as the alternate um, that got him that shot. And, you know, say what you will about the UFC. I definitely say it all the time. That being said, you know, they do say a lot of things, right. And I totally sentiment with what George said. Uh, but, they do seem, in their defense, you know, uh, you know, for whatever consistency that they can claim, they do seem to take care of those fighters who do those positions. So whoever mentioned that earlier, that Gamrot uh, did them that solid, th- that is kind of the, uh, the you know, the, the, the pocket aces, perhaps that Gamrot has in the equation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Matt, what do you think? Uh, what do you do with Sarukin if they don't give him a title shot? If they don't give him a title shot, I think the best fight would be Gechi, even though Gechi wants to be in a title fight in his next one out. So, I mean, you're talking about a true title eliminator right there, if you make that matchup. Mm-hmm.
0: Do either one of you kind of feel goes on Green versus Sarukin, even though one of them got starched and the other one had an amazing win? Is that heat – does that heat bring them together? Goes kind of threw his fists up there, and neither one of you really tapped it. What,
2: you guys aren't feeling that one? I think Bobby Green needs a long break, first of all, and – um That would be a tough matchup, even if Sarukian didn't look like he was finally coming into tune with his knockout power, which it looks like he is. And -hmm. that could be a really scary thing. If we've got a a wrestle boxer here who doesn't really even need to wrestle, he can just, you know, kind of score the knockouts. And, you know, Bobby Green with, uh, you know, there were suspicions about his chin before this. And now, you know, who knows after what that poor guy just went through. So, yeah.
3: Let me tell you guys this much. If it doesn't happen in the cage, it's going to happen somewhere else. (laughs) So you might as well make it happen in the cage.
0: Possibly. Yeah. All right. Let's move on here. So Mike Perry was crowned King of Islands over at BKFC. BKFC 56 took place this past Saturday. He defeated Eddie Alvarez in the main event. And so to me, Mike Perry joins Luis Palomino in the category of fighters who have been more successful at bare knuckle than MMA. Uh, these two guys have become big stars over at BKFC. What active MMA fighter could you see following in their footsteps? And, chat, I challenge you to come up with some names as well. I'm going to toss it to the guys. Goes, who do you think, man, could follow in the footsteps? They didn't suck at MMA. I didn't say that. They've just done better at BKFC than in MMA. And, you know, you kind of know the ingredient goes now that, Now that we've seen a, f- uh, a few guys move over you know you gotta obviously be be able to throw some hands
3: yeah that's the thing it's gotta make sense right like i actually enjoyed when michael venom page went to bkfc i thought he did a lot better than than most people thought he was gonna do and so what what him and a few other fighters have done is showed us a little bit of a recipe for success i know he lost that fight but if you look at guys like like an austin trout that went over there Mm -hmm. um Even guys like Luis Palomino, what he's been able to do, you don't, not every fight has to be violence. It doesn't have to be this chaos. You can actually use your skills in there and, and get away with it. You just have to have that right game plan and the right opponent. So that being said, I think a guy like Clay Collard, right? From the PFL, who probably is up to here with tournaments and all that. He has a boxing background. He goes to the body. He's pretty smart with the way he fights. And he's got that fun personality. I think he could go over there and do something a a lot better than what it is he's doing over at the PFL. Uh, If anything, just maybe a little break. You know, he's done the season quite a few times. Go out there and do some BKFC. I think he would be fun. Um, And then another guy, I think uh, Lorenz Larkin from Bellator. I don't know what his contract status is, but I think a guy like that have a lot of fun in BKFC. I'm telling you guys, like, uh, I know we asked the question at the press conference about. uh bellator pfl the merger and all that but bkfc i've found myself on a saturday night a friday night very entertained with that product if anything i think uh they're kind of sneaking up and and stealing some of my my money on the weekends Mm -hmm.
0: all right i like it um matt how about you who do you think could join mike perry and luis palomino as fighters who could be more successful at bare knuckle than mixed martial arts
1: I don't know if he'd be more successful than he was in, in mixed martial arts, but a guy that was whose name was attached to this EOC Austin card. How about Dan Hooker? You know, talk about a guy who will stand in the fire and trade and loves the actual loves the violence. Like that's a guy who's an as- absolute dog in there, right? Long rangy striker. Getting in there like that would be perfect for bare knuckle, I think. Um he's just he's also seemed to have that that little bit of like madman in him. Right. Kind of like Mike Perry, where it's like, you know, I don't care if I get hurt. Like I'm, I'm in here and I'm enjoying it. Just go look at some of the things he said about, you know, uh, after taking all that damage in that fight against Turner, you know, that fight that he won. Right. So it's, it's mm-hmm. crazy. He, he's, he's a guy that you go in there. I think a lot of people would be not too excited to trade with him and very knuckle. Mm-hmm. love it. All right.
0: How about you, Dan, Tom? Can you think of a, a fighter? you you pour over the tape week in and week out. I'm sure you got a gem or two up your sleeve,
2: perhaps. But uh, that's like UFC it takes up all my time. I, I don't. I don't really get to follow the bare knuckle too much. I just see the highlights of like everybody doing their elephant man impressions with their faces afterwards. Um, I'll probably go, since it has this this circus act element, I'd probably go with like more like a a, a, a kind of a circus act fighter, and I say that in the most respectful way as a fan of Japanese MMA. But no, this is not a Japanese MMA fighter, though I feel like he is due to retire in the super heavyweight division in Japan. That is William Knight, baby. Thick Willie. Where's Thick Willie been, man? We haven't (laughs) seen him since uh, the UFC. I know he kind of washed out of there, but like, can you imagine he would look like a Tyson Punch-Out villain? You know, you put you put him in there like with like a Jimmy Rivera who apparently is, you know, fighting two-weight classes up against Jeremy Stevens this past weekend. But if we're going with that angle, you know, give me some Thick Willie in there. I want to see what that guy looks like in a box in a bare knuckle ring.
0: Yeah. That's a good one. You know, I thought even before Jason Knight had that awesome fight against Artem Lobov. By the way, folks, if you haven't seen that one, go watch it. Dan, I know you said you don't consume much PKC. Yeah. consume that one, you'll dig it. You'll thank me. I always thought he would do good because he had, you know, they used to call him Hick Diaz. Uh, he just had a little bit of that, uh, the Diaz brother swag. Um, and he liked to throw hands, right? Roy Nelson. That These are kind of layups because they've already done it. Roy's done it for Game Bread. Uh, they do bare knuckle MMA, I suppose. But I mean, these are the guys I'm thinking about. Guys that just love to throw hands and they love the, the violence. Hell, I even thought maybe Sam Alvey. Although, I think he's going to be competing in karate combat soon. But all he wanted to do was go out there and throw hands. Um, A few names that were thrown out were the Diaz brothers, Drew Dover, Darren Elkins. See, I would disagree with Nuru on Darren Elkins. He likes to wrestle. Um, Not that he hates throwing hands. I mean, he does it, but he likes to wrestle. So, I kind of would disagree with that one. The Diaz brothers, yeah, that would be a good one. They like to throw hands. Uh, Their jiu-jitsu is obviously... Huge for them as well. Uh, let's see here. Drew Dover, that's not a bad one. He's got some hands. Johnny Walker, eh, he likes them knees, he likes to kick, he does like to throw hands, but he's been touched on the chin a few times. I'm not sure. I think he's doing really, really good at MMA right now. Terrence McKinney's another one that was thrown out there. Keep them coming, folks. Maybe yeah. we'll re- revisit this at the end. Yeah. to
3: Ivasa, Dustin uh, Poirier would be a good one. Who, Dustin yeah. Poirier
1: would be a good yeah. one, yeah.
3: The best name in the chat I thought that came out of there was Robbie Lawler. I mean, can you imagine the violence that guy would bring in there? I don't know how long he'd do it. Like, there's a lot of guys that maybe can't do that for very long. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know he's got his own promotion, but look, they're looking for people to fight Mike Perry. If you bring Jorge Masvidal, a guy who basically grew up doing this, uh, that would be fun. Robbie Lawler would be fun. There's there's a lot of names. It's just got to make sense. But that's the thing is BKFC kind of grabs your attention for that moment and then they surprise you a couple months later with something else they got cooking but they they got my attention man max holloway was just thrown out in the Ooh, chat you know
0: here's the thing if we're really really going to dive into this chat which we don't have too much time right now max holloway's a contender at 45 his style is perfect for this I won't disagree with that but he's made a lot of money and I just don't know if he wants to go over and do that um that said, I thought Eddie Alvarez also made a lot of money, but he just wasn't getting scooped up after his run at one championship. They didn't bring him back to fight Chandler for part three, and I think he just saw a, a decent opportunity. But I think Palomino and Perry had kind of run their course, never really became title contenders in MMA, but then they came over here and they became stars. Some of these names, like Taito Ivasa, he's a top 10 fighter right now. Otherwise, I'd say Derek Lewis. He likes to throw hands, but he's still such a big name in the UFC. I just don't see him going to peak BKFC. But that's kind of what I was looking for. Keep them coming. If there's some good ones, I'll revisit it. And like Dan said earlier, hit that like button. It triggers an algorithm here on YouTube. So if you can do that for me right now, it would be awesome. And we got some more topics to discuss. So we're going to go forward with that. Referee Kerry Hatley was criticized for his late stoppage in the Jalen Turner-Bobby Green fight. The UFC broadcast team. Social media, post-fight press conferences, Hatley got lit up pretty good. This was one of many controversies that occur during the year in our sport, but because the sport moves so quickly, we move on and reserve our emotions for the next incident. But since this was pretty universally condemned and it's fresh, just happened 36 hours ago, I want to know from the panel, how would you deal with this particular case if you were the head of the Athletic Commission in Texas? And what I mean by that, folks, is you know, we 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 say our feelings, that was a horrible stoppage, but what would we really do? And we have some experts here uh, at junkie who I think can give, you know, some some good ideas. Matt, we'll start with you. How would you deal with this? This is in your backyard, your home state of Texas. If you're the head honcho there, how do you discuss this with referee Kerry Hadley?
1: I think the first thing that you have to do with him, if you you know, if you're the commission, you gotta first of all, you have to make sure that he acknowledged that there was a mistake made. And he did that immediately while still in the cage with all the fighters and everybody um and he seemed you know remorseful for his actions right but you have to go from there obviously he acknowledged that there's a mistake but then you also have to go and review other stoppages like is this a trend where he's consistently stopping fights late um because go look for any other things that could be i guess uh retaught right to make sure that you're not making them, this mistake again uh, he's been in the game for a very long time, um, and generally he does a very good job. But this was an egregious, egregious error. This wasn't a title fight. This wasn't a main event. This wasn't, you know, any, anything like that that you would generally let fights go on a little bit longer. Um, a fight like this between Jalen Turner and Bobby Green, you know that they're going to be in there swinging hard. You got to be ready to step in, man, because one of those guys land. That they're they're finishers, right? So you got to be ready to get in there to see Jalen Turner just c- consistently wailing, wailing down shots as Bobby Green is just face down on the mat. I mean, the only other thing you can say is <laughs> it's, and it's not working. My button's not working, but, but what the heck, man? Come on. That was it was bad. Was that supposed to light up like Rudolph's nose? <laughs> it was supposed to say. It was supposed to say, I don't know. There it goes. Ah, finally. Go. Finally, it works. Production area. Sorry, for you. Sorry, people.
0: No worries, man. All <laughs> right. Dan, Tom, how about you, man? You think how you. You've observed Hatley's work over the years. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, this is something I, I tweeted about because I always talk about it when we go to Texas. Everyone likes to pick on Texas. Everyone likes to pick on the judges. Um, but uh, I, I'm not about name throwing so much. I'm more about actually citing things. And this was a classic Dan, Tom thing. Just like I said, you know. Watch out for Mackenzie Dern. are not going to have Perlo in the corner, but he's like, oh my goodness, Jay- Mackenzie Dern didn't have Perlo in the corner. And I'm in the back going, I told you. Um, this is the same thing for this one. Again, I always say it when we're in Texas and Brazil, it's Kumite stoppages, folks. Um, it's not just Kerry Hatley is a trend to do that. Jacob Montalvo, uh, a lot of the refs in, in Texas, you kind of see that same with Brazil, whether it's Eduardo Herdes or so on and so forth. If they have a pulse, um, that means apparently they're <laughs> defending themselves, which is not true, by the way. Shout out to Carla Duran. A pulse is not a intelligent defense. And uh it, even that being said, and me, somebody who actually spots these trends, actually attends the ABC courses, pause and note. I'm gonna incorporate that into my answer for George here. Um, yeah, even me, that was effing disgusting. And I had to use the the word and spell it out even. On on Twitter, yes, Twitter. Um, but uh, yeah, it it, it it was it was gross because even somebody who was expecting that and uh, those style of stoppages, it was really gross to see. I'm a really big Bobby Green fan, but it doesn't matter if you're a fan or not. Um, that 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 stoppage was inexcusable. It's good that Carrie Hatley, you know, to Dana's point, didn't do what other referees or judges have done, and they go out and defend themselves um, in in a very ignorant way. Um, that being said, uh, I do believe there are things you can do. Texas is one of the only commissions that does that, allows the refs to judge and ref. And in Kerry Hatley's defense, he is actually the main guy who normally does that. And even though he didn't ironically do that tonight, so you can't blame that dual uh concentration for his mistake there, uh, usually he does on almost every other night's dating back to like UFC, like Hidalgo with Poirier Johnson, right? Like you will see Kerry Hatley refing and officiate, uh, uh, and judging as well, I, I should say. Um, so what I would say is maybe not to take a paycheck away from the guy. Maybe let him, you know, make his pennies, you know, judging, because he actually is a pretty good judge uh from what I call he's he's very very he's very often uh he's very few times I should say the out judge, right? So let him make his money. You know, we're not trying to cancel anybody here, right? Let him make his money judging. But I would like to see him, you know, back in the referee courses. Uh, for example, when I did the ABC qualifying for the beginners ref courses, the beginning judges courses, even in the beginners courses that I, I'm in and I should be in, by the way, I still saw noted, you know, judges like Eric Cologne or Adelaide Bird, who gets a lot of crap from a lot of fans, right? Say what you will about Adelaide Bird. She was there in the judging trainings and and doing recertifications that I imagine they don't necessarily need to do, but they are doing right. So if these veteran judges and officials are retaking courses and qualifying well i think that would be maybe another good thing to add again we're not trying to cancel anybody take away their paychecks but i would hope to see carrie hatley with the other texas officials who were there and trying to improve and better themselves to defend the texas commission a bit but yes don't let them ref for a bit let them judge send them back to some re-education courses great
0: stuff dan really really good stuff there all right goes, how about you man what what do you think of this
3: situation with uh Kerry Hatley and that late stoppage in the Jalen Turner, Bobby Green fight. It's unfortunate. Look, I always try and give these refs and judges the benefit of the doubt. It's an incredibly t- tough, difficult job uh, for anyone to do. But look, man, in this particular situation, I the night of I watched it, I was disgusted. I went back, I watched it again, and I tried to put myself in his shoes and see where there were moments where I could maybe understand any of it. There were a couple movements that I think maybe bought him a couple seconds more, but after that, there was a good stretch that we're watching right now where something needed to happen, and it didn't. It's pretty much as bad as it gets, right? So I think in this situation, covering the sport for as long as we have, I think we've seen uh, referees go through this before, and what usually tends to happen, guys, is they put them right back out there, and it happens again and again. Sometimes it goes in, like, waves of threes. I don't know if you guys... Remember this, but there are times where, like, even some of the top dogs, like Herb Dean, I remember once had like a really bad month. There's too much stress on these guys to just throw them back out there and and let them shake it off. This is not the sport to shake something off. All right. Uh, Especially with social media and so many people's opinions just one button away, it's a lot to take in. You need to step away. If you're the Texas Commission, You need to take this guy and you need to just shelve him for a little bit. Nobody's saying put him away for years or anything like that, but let him sit for about a month. And really um, it's more so because if you go back and you watch it, he's going to understand that he did something wrong. He already did, but it's more to just kind of level out his, uh, his psyche, his feelings, because he's getting crushed right now. Uh, Bobby green. We still need to figure out like what exactly happened to him because he took a lot of damage, man. And if you're the cause of that, that's a lot of stress to carry. So I think I think for Kerry Hatley, we got to put him on the shelf for a little bit. There's a lot of media coming down on him, referees, fighters. Um, it's the toughest job, but you know what? He signed up for it. Here's the big problem, guys. It's not like uh, any other job where one guy walks away and there's 30 guys that are just waiting to take your job. Um, it's not really like that. So whoever we put in to replace him right away, I don't know that he's going to do that much better of a job than Kerry Hatley. For the most part, Kerry Hatley's okay. But right now he needs to go away just for a little bit. There has to be repercussions. We have to show the fighters that we care for them, that we're looking out for them, right? They deserve that. And I think Kerry Hatley would understand that. Go away for a little bit, then come back. But uh, long-term, you know, like Dan mentioned at those commission meetings, it was a a, a good thing to see that there's more people trying to get involved because uh, that pool of judges, referees, it's not that big, guys. And really it all comes down to experience. We need to get these guys' experience on the smaller shows so that things like this do happen. We do have credible guys that are willing to step in.
0: Good point goes to close. You're right. Who does go in if we suspend Kerry Hatley, which I think we're all in agreement. I I like the 90-day mark, personally. I think that's a good time to refresh. And I love Dan's point about the fact that he can judge because he's got a livelihood, obviously. He can still judge, but let's pull him away from this. Let him get some reps in. Uh, maybe, you know, research, not not recertification, but a little bit more training or whatever. Um, I, I don't want to say let them work smaller shows necessarily. The pressure is less for sure, but it's not, their lives aren't any less meaningful, right? Their health and safety is not any less meaningful, but I think the pressure might be a little more easier that he can deal with. So maybe that's not a, a crazy thing to think. Just because the PFL and Bellator and UFC doesn't go to Texas doesn't mean that they don't have shows happening this Friday on a smaller scale. And those are a lot of times are those referees that, that work them, you know, so it, it's a fine line, but I do like pulling him away because this type of, uh, th- th- this type of backlash that he's receiving, I think can mess with him a little bit. So somewhere between 30 to 90 days, just pulling away from refing at all, I think would be a nice start. And then having him rework his mechanics, you know, with some other refs, just, just to make sure everything's, uh good. Uh I, I can only I mean I can only think of like police officers when there's a shooting, regardless of what whose fault it is, they like to pull them off the streets and then they work with them, and then I'm not sure if it's a two week or one month period or maybe even longer, depending on the situation where they're able to go back and and work. So uh I do want to say I've seen Hatley perform for many years and I've never thought him to be anything other than a very competent ref. This was just a bad call. I I, I see what goes is talking about. I saw a couple subtle movements from Green, and I think he was giving him every last chance. But he had already probably crossed the threshold because a, that was a pretty vicious knockdown, and then there was a couple follow ups that really really thumped him. After that, so even with subtle movements or not, there still was a few punches that I mean Turner was just putting it on him. Could have really really hurt him. So yeah, this this is well deserved criticism uh for what i still believe is a good ref and i think he still has a future but something needs to happen uh good stuff guys we move on though what mma fighter gained the most traction after this weekend's action and why you guys know the names i don't even think i need to throw them out there for you but a lot of fighters kind of took a next step dan how about you how about you who's your guy or
3: gal
2: yeah, you know, uh, it, it's easy to make an argument at the top, um, but I think I was going to go with uh, Figueredo here just because uh, I feel like, you know, with the former champion thing, there's a lot of fatigue that kind of Matt said earlier. And I I, I agree, by the way, the rematch fatigue, the getting the former champions and the title pictures fatigue, but it is a trend nonetheless, right? So it's one we got to pay attention to, and it's going to give Figueredo, Figgy, kind of a faster ladder to the top. So th- that's the guy I'm really going to be watching out for after this weekend. I like
0: it. That was a good one. Impressed the hell out of me. I thought he was A, going to lose, and B, just maybe wilt later on due to Font and the experience that he has as a Vannaway, man. But he proved me wrong for all 15 minutes. How about you, uh, Goes Who gained the most traction after this weekend's action?
3: I got to ditto my man, Dan Tom, man. What Figueredo did, I don't know that a lot of people understand. Like When you go up a division, just kind of being... Um, you know, somewhat successful is impressive. You're you're doing this with bigger guys, you know. Some guys are faster, some guys are stronger. It's completely different. So for him to go over there and pick off a stud like Rob Font, Rob Font is a tough out man. That to me was a very, very big deal. And he just felt like he was one step ahead the entire fight. Um, there was no feeling out process for him at this weight class. He went in there and he did his job. And what that does is beating a guy like Rob Font kind of sets that foundation for what could be next things could come a lot quicker right the only thing that scares me is i think at the end of the day he's like five four five five you got guys like at the top o'malley even cory sanhagen they're like in the 511 510 range that could be very difficult but if anybody could figure out it's this guy um but going forward like i'm excited to see his next fight it just feels like this is where he probably belongs to be matt wells how about you?
1: Yeah, I think uh, the biggest winner for me was uh, Sean Brady. Um, You look at who he fought in Kelvin Gastelum, who was coming down from middleweight. You know, you you would kind of think that maybe Kelvin would have like a little bit of a power advantage. I know Kelvin is a guy who's floated back and forth over the years, but Sean Brady made it look easy, man. He went in there, put it on Kelvin, didn't look like it was a problem in the grappling department, and really looked like one of those guys that's going to be a title contender. But also, I'll give you this. Because Brady looks so good, he also made someone else look really good in Bilal Muhammad. Because oh. if you think back to how Bilal Muhammad and what he did to Sean Brady, man, how good is Bilal? That's a guy that's already number two in our rankings in the welterweight division on MMA Junkies rankings. I mean, listen, how good is Bilal? L- really, really, how good is he? I want an answer. Somebody, give me an he's, answer. He's, he's pretty really good. good.
0: He's on a roll, man. He really is on a roll. I think the the a lot of the heat came from that fight, that that fight with Edwards that wasn't going his way. But what we've noticed from Balal is he really can make adjustments, turn it around. He's a dog all the way through. Um, and I think he took a lot of critique from that fight, just like, oh, no, nah, man, you're not ready for that next level. I think Uzman was still champ at that time. But, boy, that guy's impressed me, man. Uh, that's a That's a – a good pull there from someone who didn't fight, but yet his stock also went up. I want to say Misha Tate, and I'll tell you why. I really thought she was ready to lay down the gloves if she didn't come through on Saturday. Uh, both, you know, uh, UFC moms, uh, mid 30s, layoffs, weight gains, whatever. Uh, you know, I, I think that's the story with Avila at least. But Misha just dealt with that loss at Flyweight and said, That was a mistake, but here I am. I ain't going out like a sucker at 35 where she ruled as a champ at strike force and UFC and looked good and applied what her skill is. And that's wrestling, man. She really, really looked good. And now I see her instantly as someone who possibly could compete for a title. Why? Because she's got the name. She's a former champ and a lot of her contemporaries are kind of out of the way now. So I'm not saying she's next, but you know, we have what it's Juliana. Who's her homie, right? She's off to the side. I think she's got next. She's got the quarter up on the game. But we got Raquel and Myra Silva. But if Juliana is still injured, you never know, man. That's how the UFC rolls. That's how they make their decisions. So I thought the stock went up. I'm not calling for her to be next. I'm not saying that. But she impressed the hell out of me. She looks like she's not ready to retire. All right. Uh, let's see here. We're going to do some additionals. I think we have some time for this. Can the UFC do more to avoid public spats between athletes and their camps? Or do we just chalk it up to that's the fight game as dana white says goes what do you think
3: well i mean look man if we're all out somewhere the four of us and we start fighting are you telling me there's not going to be some kind of consequence to what we've done right that that's the world that we really live in um i think what has to happen like i i understand this is an edgy sport and from time to time this is going to happen but you have to kind of lay down some kind of law otherwise it's just going to repeatedly happen and you never know when one of these situations like this was a hotel right they could bump into somebody somebody could fall down there could be a lawsuit all i'm saying is if i'm the ufc i don't know that you gotta like fine anyone or anything like that but i think you at least pick up the phone you go look guys part of a main event here you know there's a lot on the line if you continue to do this this type of behavior i am not gonna feel comfortable putting you in these positions because i need you to be professional and i think that's a big enough scare for fighters to go all right man like i, I can't be screwing these positions up um i don't blame bobby green I and mean, was just chilling He came up to him and, and got in his face but uh i don't know that we can just kind of put it off to the side and just go ah fighters are going to be fighters like it's not always going to work out that way
0: mm-hmm. uh what do you think matt uh was this thing getting out of hand? Because he told you there's a lot that goes on that we don't even know about. All I keep thinking about is D.C. and Jones in that hotel lobby at MGM. That one got ugly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think anybody that's been around the game uh, long enough and, you know, folks folks like ourselves that cover these events live, we hear stories about stuff that goes on that doesn't necessarily, you know, make it to the to public view for whatever reason, right? Um, but I think they do a pretty good job as is. Like most of the time, like there's – you know, some UFC security around nearby, like even in this interaction, like we saw that there was someone right there ready to kind of stop it from escalating. Right. Aside from like, if a security guard, like sees someone down the hallway and being like, all right, we're going to redirect before you even get there. Like they do a pretty good job as it is. But most of the time, like these fighters don't even care. Like we'll, we'll see all the time, like they'll try to force through. And, you know, maybe it's like a hold me back, hold me back sort of situation. But just to make a scene. But, yeah, there's not too much more that they can do. Fighters are going to be fighters. Tempers are going to flare. You know, a lot of guys are going to puff their chests out for whatever reason. Sometimes they do it just to make, you know, these little viral moments. You know, sometimes there's really not a true beef there. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, who knows their, their true intentions. But I think the UFC does a pretty good job of handling these situations when they come up. What do you think, Dan? Is it the fight game or can more be done?
2: I mean, it, you know, it, it is the fight game and it is going to happen, but not to defend what Dana said, even though there is some truth there, uh, I will kind of deflect and say, you know, code of conduct policy is the o- obvious thing. But, A, we've seen how consistent the UFC is with that for, what, a, a decade now, dating dating back to Miguel Torres on Twitter to everything else, right? I mean, we, we've kind of seen uh, inconsistencies there. And, you know, B, it, it, it's surprising that, you know, the the, the coaches are, are sometimes involved or the team because aren't those people that are supposed to be telling you to keep it cool, especially when those people are kind of dependent on you for a percentage of your paycheck? Like you not only have to make the fight day, but hopefully you win because if you're a coach, you're going to see a little more money or money at all. But it's funny in that in that Armin and Bobby Green, thing, you know, and and I love Pahumpa, but it's like you look at like the coach's faces, you see them like smiling, like, oh, this is gonna be cool. And then when it gets out of hand, you look at their faces and they're just like, well, how did this happen? Like, what did you guys think was gonna happen? You were just yeah. two seconds ago walking up with the S eating grin on your face and now you're gonna act surprised. You know what I'm saying? But like to answer this question, <laughs> Bobby Green said, what do you see in that video? He goes, oh, I don't play like this. No. And what I think he was saying was that I think almost like Bobby Green is like, oh, I don't even think Bobby Green necessarily took it personal or thought it was personal. Um, he's almost like he knew that this is the game now. Oh, we got we got to film confrontations. We got to do this whole thing. Yeah. And Bobby Green's one of those dudes, man. He doesn't play like that. He, you know, uh, he keeps it real. And the thing is, if UFC is going to reward people like this, you know, you know, because again, it's like, oh, we're against it or this or that, but. If it's McGregor in a bus attack, UFC two twenty three or whatever, we can use that for our promotional.s So if UFC is going to keep rewarding people with not just matches but even using these this these handheld footage of these incidents, these viral footages, and playing into the kind of like the culture that's going on right now, it's only going to be not just worse but arguably encouraged for the fighters to continue to do this.
3: Mm-hmm. I love when they break up fights like this with one arm and the other one filming, you know.
2: Hey guys, yeah, it's yeah, gone too yeah. far. It's gone too far.
3: He man. walked up with are, a crew and
0: the, <laughs> and the camera ready when he when he first came at Bobby that
3: first time. I mean, honestly, yeah, like he, he was looking what, for a moment. What are you gonna do? Like, let's just say however many security guards they have, let's say you add 10 more, are they gonna stop these guys? These are professional athletes, and the guys in their corners are also badasses, like. You can put as many security guards as you want. I don't know that you're going to stop the situation. It's, it's got to come from the top, you know. Nuru in the chat says, the problem is, in spite of saying they
0: hate it, the UFC gets promotional juice out of these mm-hmm. ring spots. So they will say they hate it, but quietly not change it. Good point. Uh, By the way, a name was thrown out at the top, and I saved it because I said I'd circle back if it was a good one. Ace 1000, sorry, Ace 100 came up with Calvin Cater for bare knuckle action. Mm-hmm. I think this one's for you, Matt, by the way. Um, Carlos J, any word on the PFL pay-per-view buys for their last event? I think he's obviously joking. Um, you know, I did want to say something to him. I'm not trying to be Captain save bro here for my colleague, Matt, but that question tripped me out because how many times have numbers been thrown out and Dana will sit there and go, you guys have no idea what the numbers are. And yet now he's going <laughs> to the media <laughs> member who he has a problem with and saying, you know, it's your job, shouldn't you know? I was surprised Matt didn't go, uh, you were in Boston. You didn't know about the incident with Armand and Bobby. You're the president, shouldn't you know? I mean, that little game, you know, it's just such a juvenile game that, that he can do. And he's a G. That's what I hate is that he won the game. He created a sport. It's popping. It makes money, and a lot of people thrive from it, including us, you know? But yet he still has these moments where he becomes – uh
2: Eighth grader, you know, or I, I or think not. Matt I think Matt just triggered him with the question prior, you know, because he, he he used the word, uh, it was for the Jamal Hill story, but Matt did use the word domestic violence, so maybe that triggered Dana there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting, take. yeah, because he gives his answer, he was, it's family stuff, <laughs> like his answer was so like answering for himself while still trying to answer the question, like it was, it was so like you could just see it, like, and I think, like, that, like, he, you know, you want to talk psych 101, I think that's what put it up, right? You know what I'm saying, and it wasn't, I didn't any, think of that. You know, and, and Matt didn't say anything wrong there. Obviously, I'm, I'm more speaking to Dana's history. That's not that far away uh, yeah, with domestic violence. So, yeah, maybe that maybe that got him riled up. He thought, like, you know, he he saw, you know, maybe a, a, a face he's not as familiar with, and he's just like, oh, the got gotcha, the gotcha media. Back to what you said, George, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, that's his convenient scapegoat blame the media oh
0: (laughs) (laughs) salvadorized in the chat says dana white won he is a g but he's small and petty and there is some truth to that i know i'm gonna go over here cold coffee's gonna lay into me pretty good after the show but hey we have a big fight card this week and let me just get a quick thought from each one of you song versus gutierrez the bantamweight division is always popping anthony smith khalil roundtree or any other fight any quick thoughts on it matt
1: we'll start with you i mean the main event's a banger like you said bantamweight is always on fire right these are s- fantastic matchups here um i do want to give props to anthony smith for stepping up in this fight though like that's that's pretty dope it's an unexpected matchup against khalil roundtree and i, I know some people were criticizing khalil for taking this fight because mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of people seem anthony smith's just gonna win but mm-hmm. i think that's still gonna be a solid fight solid All two right. top at the top of the
3: card goes what about you man Some of the hardest strikes I've ever heard in person have come from Khalil Roundtree. I think him and Anthony Smith is going to be an absolute war.
0: Yeah, we covered that guy at Tough Enough. Um, So we've seen him come through as an amateur and now as a pro, he's a beast. How about you, Dan Tom? Anything jump out at you from this weekend's card? By the way, now back in the Apex.
2: Yeah, as per usual, I'll be breaking it down uh, on, on my channel, Daniel Tom MMA, uh, the Protect Your Neck podcast on Thursday, but I will just shout Excellent
0: out podcast, folks, especially if you gamble. Go check out Protect Your Neck, Appreciate available it, on YouTube or get it in the podcast form, whatever you like. It's there for you. Dan pours his heart
2: into it. Too kind. I just want to shout out the best dancer in the UFC, John Young Park, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. so yeah, Turtle check it out
0: my personal favorite i think uh aside from the top two obviously i I really think hack Prass and malarkey is going to deliver fireworks possible fight of the night and of course at mma junkie we're going to cover it pre-fight cover fight nights post-fight all the best coverage is here at mma junkie we cover the biggest stories the following monday every monday live just like you saw it now it's noon eastern 9 a.m pacific uh all of us here at mma junkie we take our turns being part of the panel i think you guys will dig it share it with a friend retweet repost whatever it takes and one last request for that like and subscribe it really really helps us uh just getting it out there in front of more eyeballs on youtube uh shout out to the facebook group as well i know you guys catch the show on facebook so shout out to you guys with that we are out of here enjoy the rest of the week keep it locked on mma junkie but the best coverage in mixed martial arts and we'll see you next monday go out and be a champion